On today's edition of the Locked on Nets podcast, Josh and I issue a heartfelt goodbye as we usher in a new era of the Locked on Nets podcast. We'll explain more coming up on Locked on Nets. You are Locked on Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bass. Uh, exciting episode here today, a little bit bittersweet. I am, of course, joined by my fearless co-host, Marcus Barahal. Marcus, how's it going? Josh, good. Good to be talking with you. Uh, and, yeah, go, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 you go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to kind of ramble for a bit, but you go ahead. Okay, well, we'll get to the rambling after. There's going to be a lot of rambling that's being done because former Locked On Nets host, Gavin Shaw, my other former co-host, is back. Uh, he of, of Locked On Nick's fame. He's riding high from being recognized on the street uh, just by his voice uh, a couple weeks ago. Gavin, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I mean, better, better since then. I, I've just I've walked taller I've I've gained 30 pounds in muscle. I just uh, changed my life uh, being recognized as the host of Locked On Knicks. Yeah, no, you, you do look, your face looks much fuller. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Glowing. I, I, was, I was slightly malnourished before that, but that really sort of reasserted my will to live. It was yeah. really it was good for me. You're like one of these like high school centers that, uh, or like middle school centers where it's like um, someone's like seven feet tall and they're like mm. insane skills, but then they're like. The French guy. Yeah, yeah, like a, a Victor Wembanyama or Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I was going to say Musa DK, out. but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not familiar with Musa. I'm only familiar with John and Musa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's the only Musa I know. Yeah. But, We're going to uh, do top five Musas all time on this episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Chocolate Musa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're here with with some, some bittersweet news that this is actually going to be Marcus and I's last episode as the host of, of Locked On Nets, uh, some some great folks taking over, Adam Armbrecht and Doug Norrie, uh, who, who currently run We Got Nets. They're uh, a really, really solid group of guys, very knowledgeable about the Nets, and they will, um, you know, take the uh, the mantle and the torch from us, and, and we know that, that they'll do great things with it. So we, we decided to kind of have a, a tribute episode, if you will. I, I think we're still kind of, uh, figuring out where we want to take this, but you know, figured it would be apropos to bring back everyone's favorite Locked On Nets host, Gavin, to join us uh, and and also kind of wrap up this Bass Barahal Shawl era um, that we've had for the last, I guess, you know, three plus years, really. Yeah, I was gonna say um, it's kind of been a while, and this, you know, maybe. Maybe we didn't win a title in this run. You know, I think maybe we'll, we'll be looked back on kind of like those uh, 2000 Suns teams where we kind of changed the game uh, on Locked on Nets. You know, we elevated it. We took it to a new direction. Now we're handing things off to uh, Adam and Doug, who will hopefully be the Warriors to our sons and, and kind of start a Nets podcast dynasty here. So uh, got to thank, you know, David, obviously everyone involved behind the scenes, Kylie, Carl, Doug, all those people. Kobayashi. Um, Fubayashi, of course, um, and all the listeners, you know, everyone who uh, kept tuning in. You know, we got a lot of uh, nice tweets, some not so nice tweets, uh, but mostly good stuff. So uh, really, really fun time doing this podcast. And I'm excited to kind of look back at everything. Uh, I'm a big like in sitcoms when they kind of do like a, a clip show, a highlights episode. Maybe this is kind of uh, in that style. And, and you know what better way? to start it than, than with Gavin, who kind of brought both of us into this, Josh. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, I'm really excited to, to join the ex-Lockdown.net host group chat, which I know right now is just Wurzberger and Gavin. And now you guys will, will have... I still Marcus work here. You're ex-Nets. You're ex-Nets. Wow, yeah. I'm the only person in the ex-host and current host group chats. Is there any, I feel like there's probably someone else out there that's... Yeah. Uh, that's done. That's done a trade, a trade down, in my opinion, but mm. still, still a trade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have a group chat. It's like you know, I feel like we're gonna come back for like a ring ceremony. You know, you have obviously those early iterations of 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 the Lakers. Let's just say. Um, so in that case, Wurzberger is like 
you know, I guess who was on the, the Minnesota Lakers, like Mikan. Jordan Mikan. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, we're, uh, you know, Kareem, uh, Magic Johnson, James yeah, Worthy. Josh, Josh, you're Kareem because you went between the Gavin era and the me era. So, you know, yeah. you were, you were with Gavin, who's like Oscar Robertson. Then you transitioned to me, who's more magic. So you, you, yeah. you, you're the goat, Josh. I will say that. Thank yeah. you. And now these, these, these young guns are, uh, are, are LeBron and, uh, and AD. Hmm. Lofty comparisons all around. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, it's warranted. I, I, I was going to compare myself to like a Don Nelson or like a Pat Riley, the player, but. Okay. Okay. Well, Gavin, good. I guess before we get off, off the rails too much and, and I'm trying to bring us back a little, um, I think this is probably gonna be one of the last times people hear you on locked on nets consistently. I just mm-hmm. don't know the rapport that you're going to have with, with Doug and Adam. I'm assuming that like the, no, uh, me, the me, 10 me, year me, friendship me. that we all have. So. Yeah, no, I think me, me and Doug too, and Adam are really, oh, we're going to get along. We're going to get along for sure. Um, but Josh, I was just like sort of thinking like a good way to start this would be to talk about how he got the job. Because I think, I think the circumstances are kind of funny. Uh, when I first applied to the Lockdown Network, uh, I wanted to, I just sort of like cold emailed uh, David and I, I wanted to do Lockdown Suns. Um, ended up doing Locked On Cardinals because I was, I was going to college in Arizona. Moved back to New York, really wanted to do a basketball pod. And we found out, actually, I, I think if I remember correctly, you might have been the one who mentioned it to me, but I was listening to uh, our boss's uh, appearance on my favorite basketball podcast, The Low Post, and, and Zach was asking him, uh, do you have hosts for all the teams now? And he was saying, yeah, you know, everything but the Nets. And Zach was like, ah, oh, typical, the Nets, the one team that no one would want to host for. And I was like, wait, I, I would like to do that. I, would, <laughs> I think I'd have much more fun doing a Brooklyn Nets podcast than an Arizona Cardinals podcast. Reached out to David. He was cool with me making the transition. And then I said, uh, can I bring on my friend who's <laughs> never done a podcast and not go to journalism school, um, but he's, a, he's very knowledgeable, he's articulate, and he's a, he's a big Nets fan. And uh, David said, it's the Nets, why not? And then, uh, then we, we, we made some magic, we made some magic. We did. Shout out to Philip Rossman Reich and Lockdown Magic. Uh, we, did, we did make a lot of magic. But um, yeah, no, I, Gavin, that, I think it was like a, a very cool origin story. And I think it was a good mix to have just like my passion and, and like crazy Nets fandom there. Um, and, and you're obviously, you know, you're not a Nets fan, you're a Knicks fan, which we've all been well reminded of, but you were there to kind of rein me in, be more objective. And um, I think for both of you, at least like, cause you're both Knicks fans, your passion for the Nets actually did really grow as you were uh, indoctrinated by myself and the team. Josh, I'm I'm gonna say this is the last podcast. I'm a Nets fan now. I'm I'm fully flipping the switch. Yeah, I'm calling it. What? I'm calling yes. it right here. Are you serious? Well, I'm just thinking about it and like really like. Oh God, I'm. Like, I mean, obviously, well, like I've rooted I've rooted for the Nets the last two years as we've done the pod yeah. together, Josh. Just like so we can have stuff to talk about almost. But like I don't know. I'm thinking about it and like I won't have to do that because we're not gonna be talking about it on mic. But I'm still in my head. I'm thinking like okay, yeah, like, what's Nash going to run? What's, like, like, are, is Dinwiddie still going to be on the team? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm still invested. So I, I think I'm going to keep rooting for the Nets. Wait, to clarify, TBD, are, yeah, go are ahead. you saying over the Knicks? Or are you saying that you'll – because I – and I've, I've said this in lockdown. Like, the Nets are, like, my third team behind the Knicks and the Suns. I like them. I don't hate them like most Knicks fans. I think the rivalry is stupid. But I, I might, were you saying the Nets are your number one team now? It's hard to say. The last oh, year God. or so, it's been, like – a toss up because the Knicks have been so bad that like if they if the two teams went head to head, it's like, oh yeah, root for the Nets because it also helps the Knicks draft pick. So sure. I don't know. If the Knicks ever if they're ever both good at the same time, I'll I guess I'll see which way my heart pulls. Yeah, like if right right now, I mean I don't know. I'm I'm pulling for a Nets title in twenty twenty one, Josh. Oh God. <laughs> That's great. I'm very excited to hear that. <laughs> Gavin, so the, this you, experiment was a success, I guess. Yeah, wait, yeah. Josh, you can you can announce that you're a Knicks fan now. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a, a three year uh, you know under, undercover thing for me, undercover mission. I saw how much hate Gavin was getting, and I said, Yeah, like, you use the. I need to pretend to be a lifelong Nets fan. I needed to, you know, do a deep dive on Todd McCullough's career and you know Jacques Vaughn's time as a player with the Nets and and all those things. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, sadly, I, I have been a Nets fan all this time. But we've we've had we've had good runs, so. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut options, and here are their six new ones. Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. They sound incredible. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. 
Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off of your next order. Once again, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Gab, what do you think about the Nets, the Nets' chances for next year? Because I feel like we haven't done a big sit-down and, and really talking about this yet. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it, it, it certainly seems like there it's I mean, last year was a great example of it, but next year even more so that there hasn't been this much parity in the NBA in like any time I can remember. Like it feels like there's six or seven teams that can theoretically win the title and the Nets are sort of on the back end of that. But you get Kevin Durant at roughly close to 100 percent. And with how much time he's had off, like he's going to be, I think, as good as he's going to be at this point. Like, obviously, I'm sure there'll be like a couple of months to just get reacclimated to NBA basketball. But from a pure health perspective, I'd expect him to like, again, be about as close as possible to a hundred percent. And that gives you a chance because like, there's, there's a window where like, I mean, LeBron, like coming off this many minutes, um, winning a fourth title, like maybe the motivation is just a little bit lower and I'm not predicting like, uh, like precipitous decline for him or anything, but there's, I think there's a window there, which seems ridiculous to say after how good he was in the finals that Durant, could be the best player in the world next year. And you have the best player in the world. You have a real chance. Um, I'm sure like you guys, I'm still not a hundred percent sure how all the pieces fit together. I would be, I, I think there's like, there's clearly like another move to be made to either concentrate the talent they have or just like better organize their roster. And I, I guess I'm curious what that is before. Like I predict whether or not they're going to win a title. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, we've talked about it so much, Josh, how they have, those three real trade ships in in Levert, Dinwiddie, and uh, Jared Allen. It seems like Karras is probably staying. Um, Jared Allen seems probably like the most likely to be moved, just because of like the team's commitment. It would seem to to DeAndre Jordan. So, I agree with Gavin that we have to wait and see. But I, I really like where the Nets are are positioned. I think there's a real chance that they have the best player in the East next year, and in Kyrie, they might have a guy who's one of the three or, or four or five best players in the East next year. So that kind of top end talent is really tough to find really rare. And if they don't trade guys, they have a ton of depth. And if they do trade guys, it'll mean they have a third star or at least a third guy who's uh, maybe close to all-star level. So I'm really bullish on the Nets chances to uh, compete in the playoffs next year, especially given kind of the pedigree and the reputation of those two stars that they have, you know, it's not guys like Paul George or, or Giannis who've kind of, flamed it out a little bit in in their respective playoff runs so um yeah i'm excited and and pretty optimistic about the nets next year yeah i have a quick question for you guys where do you think they're going to wind up defensively because to me that would be the big concern in terms of their title chances like i just kind of go through the rotation and i don't see a lot of plus guys there like i, I didn't watch as much jared allen last year and i know as a rim protector he's always been very solid um like defending like guys like joel Embiid one-on-one um, I remember him having a lot of trouble. Maybe he's gotten better in that respect. Um, but I, I think the Achilles is going to hurt Katie defensively more than offensively. Like I, I would just be shocked if he was still the guy who was in Golden State, also at 32 years old. I, I just assume he's not going to have quite that high-end athleticism and just because he's such a good shooter, so big, so incredibly skilled offensively, he'll find ways around that and essentially be as good. Defensively, I don't think he's going to be able to cover up like the way he, he could for guys um, – when he was in Golden State. And I just don't see a lot of plus defenders up and down the rotation. So that would sort of be my question when you look at all these other teams um, like Milwaukee, like Boston, um, Philly obviously is a ways to go in terms of adding shooting, um, but like Golden State and LA in the West and the Clippers who like have that talent on both ends. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with you on the personnel front. Like they don't have good defensive personnel at all. And I think KD will be, will probably kind of come out as, slightly above average uh just because you know he is seven feet tall and obviously a very smart player but you know to your point that athleticism drop and, and just kind of the rust is going to hurt him on the defensive end um especially as a rim protector but they still finished ninth in defensive rating last year which is you know it's shocking considering their personnel and you know maybe you say um you know with Kyrie back and hopefully playing a full season he's obviously going to be a pretty big liability on that end compared to to Dinwiddie and, and some other guys who, you know, maybe they're not Patrick Beverly, but they're at least decent. Um, but I don't know. I think there was a really good defensive culture put in place by Atkinson, even though people think of him as more of an offensive coach 
I think he was at least getting guys to play relatively hard. And the one thing the Nets have always done uh, since Sean Marks even took over as a GM is execute the system really well and force opponents to take the shots that um, they don't necessarily want to take and aren't the most analytics, analytically friendly. Do those teams sometimes hit those shots and, you know, bury six mid-rangers a row against, in, against uh, the Nets in a row and devastate me? Absolutely. But they're still, you know, taking those shots that from an expected points value are, are less so than, uh, you know, the worst teams in the league. So I think anywhere between 12th to 15th is reasonable. Um, but, you know, given past track record, I could definitely see them outperforming their personnel on this end because, um, you know, Jared Allen and even DeAndre Jordan, even though he's not what he once was, people still, you know, go at him like with a bit of caution because he does have a good reputation uh, from some of his earlier days in the league and being in his prime. Obviously, he's not that anymore, but I feel like with Allen and, and DJ out there, at least they can cobble together a decent enough defense. Yeah, and I, I mean, we just talked about this on the Karis LeVert pod earlier this week, Josh, that like between him and Dinwiddie, they have two guys who kind of have the size and tools to be good defenders, and we've definitely seen it at times. The point you made about like a full season of Kyrie, I think is a good one, because like while it'll definitely help offensively like that will give them like one less guy who's maybe he's he's not like as switchable as those other two guys and, and even joe harris uh to a certain extent but definitely i think that they kind of like operate well in a team defense setting and they like were kind of pretty early on uh adopting like elements of zone defense under kenny um which we saw kind of take over the league a little bit in the playoffs this year not sure if steve nash will do that as well or, or you know maybe Jacques Vaughn uh kind of brings that from that coaching staff into this one but Nash definitely said uh in his press conference that he wanted to make defense a priority which is easy to say um but who knows I mean he's at least saying it so maybe that leads to something well I'm kind of curious what do you guys think the closing lineup is going to be for the Nets because I, I think like an equivalent of and again this is sort of contingent on where Katie's athleticism is at coming off the Achilles but something like apropos of Golden State's lineup of death, if you had like Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Harris, uh, Harris playing up at the four and KD as like a small ball five, um, like offensively, like that just seems, at least on paper, like utterly unstoppable. And I guess the argument like to not have that lineup up there is like four out of the five guys, like outside of Harris, like all sort of need the ball in their hands to be successful. So maybe you swap out one of those guys with like a Timothy Luawu Cabarro, who I, I was shocked at how good he was in the playoffs. Like I was, I mean, I, I was telling you guys, I, I couldn't say this publicly because I'd get skewered on locked on Knicks, but I was really enamored with how the Nets did in the bubble. And like, I was impressed by like their tenacity and, and just like how, like, like they were just like pulling performances out of their ass from guys like yeah. TLC and like Tyler Johnson. And um, I mean, to your point defensively, like that, that's sort of like, been the identity of this Nets team under Sean Marks that like guys like that against a better team, like they're going to play the games of their lives and they're going to give those teams um, a fight. But I'm curious like how they, if they go offense defense, or if you ever see lineups where they just try to get their five best offensive guys on the floor, because on paper with how much shooting you'd have with those five guys, you would think it would just be like completely unstoppable. And especially like, if you can't help on someone like Kyrie with his breakdown abilities, he, um, kind of like enters like the midpoint of his prime. Like I, I just, I, I think they'd scored crazy, crazy rates in crunch time. Yeah. Well, first of all, let it all out because this is a safe space, Gavin, you know, uh, the TL, the TLC love, we're here for it. If you want to talk about how Dimity should have been an all-star this year, we're here for it. Um, you know, this could be a while before you come back on lockdown net. So make sure to get it all out now. Um, but, but for, for the closing lineup, I think, I think I would lean to having, you know, a traditional center in there. I think a Jarrett Allen, um, you know, lineup with, with KD. I think, I really do think I'd rather have Harris in the starting uh, or closing five than Levert just from a spacing perspective. And like Levert's best trait, as we just talked about, you know, last time on, on kind of breaking down his season review, Marcus is his ability to handle the ball and create shots for himself, even at a low usage. And that's not important at all when you have a lineup of KD, uh, Kyrie, Dinwiddie. So I, I would go, you know, Kyrie and Dinwiddie with Joe Harris, KD, and Jared Allen. My worry is that, you know, given all the DeAndre Jordan stuff and, you know, the pressure that KD and Kyrie might put on uh, the coaching staff in the front office, that DeAndre is going to get that nod over Jared Allen. And then um, it's just a little bit worse than it was. But I think I'd probably lean to having that traditional center there especially 
you know, either of those two guys are great rim runners and can really provide attention uh, inside and also be good offensive rebounding threats as well. I think it's definitely possible that the like fifth or, or fourth guy who's, who's in that closing five isn't on the roster yet. I think like if they wind up trading Allen for a wing um, and then maybe they sign a guy like Serge Ibaka or someone who's like just trying to like fill in and, and ring chase or, or whatever it is, like it could definitely be like that kind of stretch big who can almost like a three and D big who can let KD play at the four and then have Joe and have Kyrie. And then like, depending on who's hot, maybe between uh, Spencer and Karis, that's kind of where I would lean. Um, assuming there's no like major trades where they, you know, they move someone for like a drew holiday or something. Then obviously things get shifted around, but I think my preference would be like, it seems like they're going to trade Allen, which, you know, we, we've talked about to death, but like if they wind up doing that for a wing, um, maybe Claxton becomes a guy who could be out there, but like, I would definitely trust a guy like Ibaka or, or Gallinari or whoever, uh, like a four or five who can kind of shoot, kind of defend that they could plug in next to KD. Yeah. Do you guys think they finish the season with both Karras and Dinwiddie on the roster? And I know that that's probably the million dollar question that you guys have already been talking about a ton on the podcast, but it's this weird thing because right now they clearly have, I think one too many ball handlers, which is a weird thing to say when I cover a team that's constantly had three too few ball handlers for the last 20 years. But it, it just doesn't like, I just can't imagine a scenario where like Dinwiddie or Karras are at their best as third options. And it feels like there will be long stretches when those guys are in. We're like, at best, they're the second guy. And probably like one of them is going to be the third guy because they're going to share the floor together a ton. And I just like Dinwiddie at like age 27, like he's a guy like who should be running offense at the very least as a six man. And right now it sort of feels like coming off the bubble performance, like that'll be Karis Levert's role. But on the other hand, like you have a bunch of guys who are like pretty injury prone. Like Karis has had a bunch of significant injuries. Kyrie seemingly gets hurt like every year for the last couple of seasons. Kevin Durant, you don't like coming off an Achilles, like inevitably, like he's going to be compensating in, in some ways. So it just, you, you, you kind of want to have the insurance policy, but you're also not really maximizing your assets. If all four of those guys are on the roster, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. No. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of like overlap in skill set um, among the Nets best players. And so it, it, we just talked about on the last podcast that we did, like it definitely makes sense um, logically for them to try to move Karis, just given how high his value is right now coming off that bubble performance, you know, um, a lot of national TV games, that Blazer game that like everyone was watching, Damian Lillard praising him in his like post-game interview. I think his reputation is really high around the league. And I know Josh isn't super high on him, just given, like you mentioned, his injury history, his age, his inefficiency, and just the fact that he kind of needs the ball on a team with two guys who might be like two of the 10 best players in the league. So obviously you want the ball in their hands. So, so the fit isn't great. And so if they could move him, for a wing, maybe with Allen, you know, we, we briefly talked about that trade possibility at the end of the last podcast where it's like a three team deal that I just kind of thought up where, you know, they go to the jazz, go bear and Dinwiddie go to the Clippers. Paul George comes to the nets. That definitely solves a lot of the nets holes, but seems like wildly unrealistic. So I don't know for me, I, I kind of do think that both of those guys will be on the roster at the end of the season. I think Allen's the one who's going to get traded. Um, but I think, like KD is very close with Karis and I think they want to keep him. And then Dinwiddie, like, I don't know, I guess they could trade him. He, you know, he, he dropped his agent and he's going to be like representing himself. Um, that was announced. So who really knows like what to expect from him, but I don't know. I feel like he has a lot of loyalty to Sean Marks and the organization for kind of bringing him in and giving him that chance. Um, and I think if if like the organization wants to have him, he's not going to ask out. I think he's very happy being that sixth man on like a really good team that has a, a chance to win the title. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Yeah, also, like, I think actually finding the trade that works is, is really tough. One, because, you know, Dimity and Levert are both good players, so it's hard to find upgrades uh, over them that teams are actually willing to part with right now that, like, aren't on contending teams themselves. And then secondly, when those really top-tier guys are getting traded, it's not for, like, like kind of established guys who are, like, good players, definitely starters, but won't ever really be all-stars for the most part. It's for, like, draft picks and, like, guys maybe who are a year or two in, in the league and, you know, have a ton of untapped potential. Who knows if they'll get there, but you, you can at least dream. And the Nets don't have any of those, and they're not going to be super willing to part with draft picks unless it's a really transformational guy because they're pretty gun-shy after what's just happened the last, you know, seven years. So I think it's actually going to be harder to find a, like a suitable trade partner than, than people think. I mean, Drew Holiday has been been talked about. I think that's a really good fit. You have Beal, who obviously um, would be a good fit, I guess, but, you know, heavy scoring guard. Um, and I think Washington wants to give it a shot with Wallback and, and him and Beal giving it another go. But like besides that, maybe there'll be someone else that pops up, but it's a limited crop of players that could really help the Nets. That that was sort of going to be my big question. Like, what is even the archetype of the kind of guy that you want? Because nominally, like, center might be the weakest position on the roster, and you still have, like, two pretty good players there. And the fact of the matter is, like, it seems unlikely they're trading DeAndre Jordan. Like, one, because, like, obviously, like, the whole reason he ended up there was because of his relationship with Kyrie and KD. Two, I don't really even – I don't think he's positive value around the league on that contract. And Allen, like, I guess you could, like, combine him and Karras into someone else, but – you just go team to team and it's like, it's sort of hard to think about who that guy is. Like, even if you were trading for someone like Clint Capella, like, I, I don't think that would be a great return. Um, if you were, if you were, that's not an upgrade even. Yeah. Okay. I, well, okay. Sure. Um, like I, I'm just trying to think who the guy is that would like really round out this next roster. Like maybe Drew, Drew holiday might, I know that's a name that like a lot of people like around the NBA have thrown out it like on paper. That's like a really, really good option in that he's about as good of a guard defender as you have. And he sort of, like is strong where Kyrie isn't. Uh, but even him, like he's a guy who like, I don't know. I thought on new Orleans last year, like I was like a little bit disappointed in how he played down the stretch. And like, it seemed like he got lost a little bit on a team with a ton of options, which is what he'd be walking into in Brooklyn. Like, I, I just, I, I'm not quite sure what the player type that they need is because it's interesting. Like I would almost think it would be like a better version of someone like Luau Cabarro and like looking around the NBA, it's hard. Um, my dream for them would be, and like, this would be, I think, if you could convince the Suns to take Karis LeVert for Mikel Bridges, that would be pretty intriguing for me for someone who I think is like already one of the best team defenders in the NBA is really, really good one-on-one because of his wingspan. And it's like a knockdown three-point shooter. Something along those lines would be kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, we had brought up a uh, Kelly Oubre actually from the Suns for kind of a similar reason, just like a good switchable defender who can shoot decently from outside. And the Suns have like, a lot of wing guys like between those two cam johnson like they have a plethora of players there so maybe they're willing to part with someone i don't know i mean josh brought up an interesting one uh earlier this week where it was involving i think fournier and, and evan gordon or aaron gordon like that combo coming to the nets um just because gordon defensively does a lot of what the nets need especially given like we don't know how good of a defender katie is going to be coming back and then fournier can kind of do a lot of what Levert can do on like less volume and like as a better shooter. So I don't know that one interested me and I've, I've kind of been thinking about it the last few days. Yeah, no, I think that probably makes sense just because it gives the next depth or like uh, he's not available because obviously the bucks really need to win this year, but like a Middleton type guy would be that's, I think to answer your point, Gavin on, on kind of or answer your question on the archetype um, that's best. I think it's like a, an all-star, but like a lower usage type all-star who is a good shooter, but also is a very strong defender because to your point on KD, the Nets really don't have, uh, you know, a lockdown or even like a squarely above average uh, wing defender on this team. And that's going to be a big problem as you get into the playoffs, especially because, you know, you're going to be playing Kyrie out there, you know, Dinwiddie and Levert have the tools, but their effort waxes and wanes. So, like there's just a lot of uncertainty on the defensive end. 
when you get to the playoffs to play those better teams. Like they can execute a, a scheme over 82 games, but when you're in, you know, the conference semifinals and you need someone to shut down Pascal Siakam, I mean, it seemed pretty easy this year when, when they played, when they played the Celtics, but you know, the Nets don't have like Tatum Brown or, or Marcus Smart. I think yeah, the, the more I sit on it, um, I, I actually, I, I really, I like the Fournier Gordon combo. I think that's, that's a great idea. You, you just, you need someone who is to me like a star role player and with, with someone like, again, like Middleton isn't even available, but to me, like the issue with it would be like, I just don't think there's any way you maximize his value on a team with Kyrie and Katie, even though he is a lower usage star, he'd be hyper efficient. But like, I, I just think the amount of time that Kyrie and Katie will have the ball in their hands, it'll, it'll be equivalent to like LeBron and D Wade in Miami. And you saw what happened with Chris Bosh. He was like a 15 point per game score. And it just, it's just hard when you have like, yeah. maybe like you could argue like those two guys in like a regular team would be like two out of the top five in the entire NBA in usage. So, yeah, but you, they also, they also won two titles during that. And, and it's going to, that's going to be the same with any star, like just having stars together on a team naturally decreases the output for all of them. Yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's inherently a negative. My only point was like, is that the most efficient way to use your assets? And, and obviously it depends on how much you, you want to trade because like Chris Middleton is like objectively a better player than like a Mikhail Bridges or like, I'm not saying he's available or like a PJ Tucker but I think those guys are almost more naturally equipped to play that role. And obviously you can get them for much less, but it, it all sort of depends on what you want to trade. And if you're saying like, all right, but if we get that guy, Dinwiddie and Karis are excessive anyway, so we might as well trade them. Then all of a sudden it kind of makes sense. So it just sort of depends on like who the Nets want to give up and how many of those guys they want to package together. Does it make the most sense like to not even trade anyone then? Like, I, I, I don't know, maybe like flipping someone for like a guy of similar talent, but like, I don't know, maybe like packaging guys to to get an upgrade for like a third star doesn't really make sense. Just given, like you said, it'll it'll kind of reduce what you get from that third guy. And then also it'll it'll sap the team's depth. Like I know the Clippers thing didn't work out this year, but like their depth was like a real asset to them. And, you know, they had some hiccups at the end because like Harrell was in and out of the bubble and and Lou Williams just had kind of a tough matchup. But I don't know. I, I think the Nets have two stars no team really has three stars anymore. It's kind of a league of, of dynamic duos at this point. So maybe they're just better off rolling with those two guys and maybe swapping like a Jerry Allen for a wing, like make a move, like a, a smaller one that'll kind of maybe make the fit a little bit better. But I, I don't know. I, they don't necessarily need to package guys for a third star. I don't think. I, I think the move is ultimately like, I would rather have someone who has Karis LeVert's ability on defense and maybe like the equivalent of Karis LeVert's offense or defensive ability on offense. Like again, and that's why like to me, like Uber is interesting because he's, he's a solid defender. He's not a great defender, but he's a good shooter. And like, he's someone who like when Kyrie and KD draw attention and you have like one of those like swing, swing, swing sequences, like he can absolutely make a defense pay off of that getting to the basket. The reason I said bridges is because like, I, I think he's going to be like one of the five best perimeter defenders in basketball next year. And someone who hey, I actually agree. I just think that's why the Suns probably wouldn't trade him. Right. But, but again, but Karis LeVert to your point, like he just showed like high level usage in the bubble and Phoenix at 10 in the NBA draft, like in a, in this particular draft, they're not coming away with someone who profiles as that. And like the big question for them is like, how are they going to get another guy like that to take pressure off of Devin Booker? And I think eventually they will need that. And Levert, um, I, I think you guys like haven't watched him so much. Maybe we'll say long term. I'm not really sure if he can get there. Um, the Suns could maybe be like tricked a little bit into doing that. And, and it's also, I think, playing off of Booker would sort of play into Levert's strengths. Like I, I think that's like a very interesting trade that you can get a team like the Suns to do. Um, and, and I think the Nets would come away with value of doing that. I, I'm kind of intrigued. I, I'll, I'll throw back at you guys, uh, maybe before we get into like some like favorite moment stuff, um, the same question you you threw at me, because I'm, I'm sure people want to know, where, where do you guys think the Nets finish this year? Um, it's a good question. Um, obviously, you know, this is all dependent on like what moves wind up being made, blah, blah, blah. But I think the Nets will be the three seed in the East is what I'm, I'm thinking. I think Milwaukee and Boston will edge them out. I think Miami might take a step back and I think Philly, I, I guess that's like a real mystery team, Indiana. I don't know. Those are kind of the teams that were in the mix this year and Toronto, I guess uh, we'll see with them too. But I, I think the Nets have the talent to definitely be one of the top four seeds um, and get home court in the first round. If home court is a thing, um, and then, I don't know, I think when it comes to playoff time, I think they have two guys who are 
more battle tested than almost anyone in, in the Eastern Conference. So I think regardless of what seed they are, I think they'll kind of overplay um, their seeding in, in the playoffs. And I don't know, Josh, we've talked about it. I think anything less than a second round appearance is, is kind of really disappointing. Um, conference finals would be great, obviously. Finals, even better. Winning the finals, that's that's the cherry on top. So I think in 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 this kind of crazy season where who knows when it's going to start, when it'll end, I think three seed for the Nets, I think low 50s in terms of wins. And then I'm going to say they make – I'm going to say they make the finals, but I, I don't think they'll win the finals, but I think they'll get there. Yeah, Marcus, I, I love the optimism. Um, I, I think I'll probably say three seed sounds right. I think the Bucks are, are kind of going to be at the top of the conference. Um, and I'd say Boston, like I, I hate, I, I really hate to pick the Nets finishing behind Boston, but I just have a feeling if I pick the Nets above Boston, then there's like some bad karma coming my way. So I'll say Boston. First jinx? Yeah, Boston's the two seed. But then I also feel like I'm discounting Toronto just because even though they're most likely going to lose Van Vliet um, and, you know, Gasol doesn't seem likely to come back or, or maybe he does. And, you know, Ibaka gets another year older uh, and so does Lowry. Um, they, I feel like the Nets are in a tough position because especially with the December 22nd plan, if, if that actually happens, it's really going to favor teams that have continuity. And basically every other good team in the East will have continuity besides the Nets who will have the, basically the exact opposite of that. They have no time playing or practicing together. Discontinuity. Um, Yeah. They'll have discontinuity. Uh, It will be very chaotic. So, um, uh, you know, I'm a bit reticent there, but I think talent will prevail. And, you know, I think this is a team that could very well hit their stride, um, you know, close to, close to the, the playoffs, um, you know, starting, I was going to say March or April, but now I have to like totally recalibrate what the months are uh, in this new world. But, you know, I'll, I'll say a conference finals appearance. I think, you know, they're just kind of getting their feet wet. I think there's, um, there's definitely, you know, moves to be made at the trade deadline. And I think the thing that we all have to keep in context is that Kevin Durant is one of the most successful basketball players ever, not only a, a multi-time champion, but even when he was on Oklahoma city, they never got over the hump, but they were really, really damn good. Um, and you know, he's not a guy that's just going to put up stats, but not lead his team to winning. He is a winner and he's hungry to get another title kind of being the guy on, on the team. And I think the Nets will have a lot of success. It might not come in the form of a championship this year, but uh, it will definitely come. It's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I, I know I said it earlier, but just how many good teams there are next year. Like you guys didn't even mention the Miami Heat, who obviously just got to the finals spring. Oh, Marcus. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I missed. I'm, I must have just not heard. Um, um, the, the Heat to bring back, like, essentially everyone and presume like could add someone like Gallo and upgrade there. Like they actually have some room. Indiana, I think like a full year with like, obviously there are a lot of rumors that they're going to trade Oladipo, but a full year with him. Brogdon and Sabonis like that's arguably like if all those guys hit their ceilings like in in a year with some injuries that's three all-stars on their team they have some pretty good depth I think Nate B is going to be a pretty good coach for them um and, and then you even go even even go to Philly like I think if Philly like I know it's like a very like niche name to throw out there but if they can somehow come out of the draft with a guy like Desmond Bain who's like projected to throw to fall to them at 20 right now like he's he's the best shooter in the draft and and can hold his own defensively. Like I think just adding someone who could like walk into the NBA is like a high volume, 38% three point shooter. And like just getting a new coach boost in doc rivers, even though I don't think he's great, like they could be much better. And you and like the West is going to be like crazy, like Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, Warriors, um, adding a number two pick. Like it just, it's a year that's so incredibly wide open, but to your guys points, like I could see the nets like being relatively disappointing in the regular season. And then, um, really coming alive come playoff time. My big question is like, do we obviously like Kyrie Irving is a positive, but what do you guys make? And I, I don't want to belabor this because I don't want the pot to run too long, but like, what do you guys make of his overall value at this point? Because he's coming off like what, like three seasons now of like him, like not really being like a relevant player in terms of like the NBA finals chase. And like those Celtics teams, like on paper, were good enough talent wise to be that. And then he got hurt the first year. The second year was a disaster. Last year, he's injured the whole year. It just feels like weird penciling him in as like a massively impactful playoff guy. And I do think he's like ideal in the sense that like clearly he was better off 
playing off of LeBron. Now he gets to do it with KD. Um, and like when he's not like the focus of defense is just completely unguardable. But like the question in the last few years has been like, does that translate into winning? And I'm still not really sure about that. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this as well. Like he hit the biggest shot maybe in, in NBA history. Um, and Josh did point out that was four years ago at this point. So to your point, Gavin, it has been a while. Um, I don't know. I still trust him. We saw definite flashes of it this year. I mean, that clutch shot against the Knicks, he had, uh, a huge game against the bulls right after Kobe died. Like there's been real moments where it, he just seems like unstoppable, unguardable. And I think he's sort of really volatile for how elite of a talent he is. Like, I think a lot of guys at his talent level, like KD, you know, will just come out eight points every quarter and like, just kind of get a win and head home. I think Kyrie will kind of score like two points and a half and then score like 30 points in the second half. Um, and so I think in a smaller sample size, like the playoffs where, you have KD kind of being that more consistent guy, assuming he's able to do that. Um, I think in that number two role, Kyrie, we've seen him excel, and I I kind of expect him to get back to that. Um, really, the only question for me is the health of those two guys. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm with Marcus there. I think having KD and just like being able to hold uh, Kyrie accountable will actually be a really big thing, even if it's not like verbal or anything like that, just like another guy who you know, Kyrie knows is on his level and actually above, but you know, whatever Kyrie thinks, I'm not, we're not going to get into that, but I think just like, Josh, I just got to say quickly on a flat earth, everyone's on the same level. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Even, even Musa and Claxton are on the same level as him uh, <laughs> in that sense. But uh, I, I think it just kind of gets everyone's roles in order more like, because, and you know, Kyrie only played 20 games. There were some injuries that were there and like, he was basically like freestyling and doing his own thing the entire time. It didn't really lead to winning, but he's such a phenomenal offensive player that I think just having him out there and like him being able to create, you know, just something spectacular from nothing will really bode well for the Nets, especially in the playoffs. So is he going to have, you know, games that make me pull my hair out? Yes. But overall, I think he's such a phenomenal talent that you have to at least give him a shot with the team this year. And then, if he's still, you know, if he can't stay healthy or if he's derailing chemistry or, you know, maybe it doesn't click, then it's like, okay, maybe Kyrie Irving can't be a winning player, but he just hasn't been in the right situation the last couple of years. It just clearly didn't work out with him in Boston. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to like, he was playing, I, I think it's almost like helps that the Nets have like a much smaller fan base almost. Um, and then I want to say that in, in a derogatory way, but like, if he doesn't do well in the Nets, like, the Nets fans aren't going to be the ones kind of getting up on him. It will be like the national media. Break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power you through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to just get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without that same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They've got three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, and collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine, and the collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right. Do you guys do you guys want to talk favorite memories on the podcast? Yes, let's do it. I love that you assumed the hosting role for me. I, I just, yeah. I just you to slid that. back into it after all this time. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is very natural. Uh, Josh, why don't you? Uh, did, did you want to do like favorite guests, favorite, uh, like uh, locked on, non-locked on, uh, how, how you want to format this? Yeah, no, it's just every, everyone freestyle with what they think. Um, you know, I think let's definitely give a shout out to some of our, our favorite, um, you know, colleagues from the lockdown podcast network to, to pod with. I always loved our crossovers with, uh, Alex Wolf, um, Keith Pompey over at lockdown 76ers, who's phenomenal. Eric Garcia Gunderson from Lockdown Blazers back in the day. Um, 
Trevor Booker. That was actually one of my favorite spots. Sean Woodley uh, was great also yeah. from the Raptors. Yeah, Woodley. Loved Woodley. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I forgot. Roland. Jeff Garcia? Yeah, Jeff Jeff G. Spurs Zone, our, our fellow NYC native. We need to grab a beer with him once this is all over. He was phenomenal. And then, you know, from the actual guest side, I, I mean, Christian Winfield, I think, was one of my favorite recurring ones. Our Ryan guy. Rucco, Ryan Rucco, the first interview we ever did, Gavin, was was really, really fantastic. Uh, Joe Mandy, Jonathan Charks. Uh, we had some good ones in there. Yeah, yeah I, was gonna... I, I was gonna mention Mandy. He was he was my favorite for sure, just um because it was so outside the box. Um and yeah, Christian, uh really great guy. Uh definitely if anyone doesn't read his stuff out there that's listening, you definitely should. Um, Gavin, was, was Ruko the only guy that you, you guys had on when you were the host? I'm trying. We weren't as ambitious about getting guests as you guys were. Um, I, I was, Josh had a full-time job and I was, I was very lazy about it. Oh, Chris Herring also, who Gavin oh, yep. had yeah, on as well. Yeah, Chris Herring on. Yeah, he was, he's great. Um, yeah. And yeah, Ruko was like, for me personally, like I, I have aspirations of being like a play-by-play broadcaster, um, at that level. I, I do it a little bit, so. Um, but that was, that was really cool. Like personal hero of mine, uh, seemed like, um, like anyone who's listened to him on Nets broadcasts, like just comes off as like such like a nice, genuine dude. And like, actually like lived up to that on the podcast, like was down to talk uh, some Game of Thrones with us, uh, gave some really good analysis, like some fun stories. I remember he called us and I think he was like at his uh, nephew's house and playing with his nephew while he was on the phone with us or like maybe walking over there. Um, just seems like genuinely a great guy. And it was, it was very nice of him to come on the podcast because at that point, I think we had maybe nine listeners um, and six of them were Yves's uh, various uh, ghost <laughs> accounts. So it was, it was pretty cool of Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to to Eves and all the other listeners also got to throw some love to, to G loading Gabe Williams, our guy, uh, uh, King Hove, AKA Kurt. And also uh, wanted to throw a shout out to, the guy who tweeted us uh, over a year ago, Josh, to ask about your date, Nick. Uh, shout out to Nick as well. <laughs> Had to throw him into the mix. Yeah, we're married now, so it went great. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, low-key underrated shout out that I, I don't know if a lot of folks on this podcast feed have specifically heard. Actually, they might not have at all, but the, probably the person that I've recorded the most with besides YouTube, Josh Lloyd. Just like an yeah. absolute... Absolute pleasure to work with. I, I lo- always love getting the uh, the DM from him on like Friday or Saturday. Hey, can I get you on Locked on NBA? Uh, and he's just like one of my favorite people to, to record with and uh, the utmost professional. Yeah, also, the- I, I don't know how we didn't mention this, but um, maybe the best guest of all time, Josh, after the Nets playoff win over the Sixers last year, we had your dad on for like a minute or two to just let him rant. Very best all-time guest. I can't believe I, I didn't know that happened. I got to go back and find the episode. That's um, one of like probably my my five to ten favorite people in my life. So I gotta I gotta go find that episode. Yeah, I can't believe he's he's uh, more of a favorite for you than for me. Uh, I don't remember him. I don't remember that. I remember we all watched the game at at my parents' place, but I don't remember recording with him after. Huh. He just kind of went off for like thirty minutes <laughs> yeah. or thirty seconds. It was great. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. It's hard to tell sometimes with Barry if it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes. Time just flies <laughs> by when he's talking. Yeah, uh, before it, before it we wrap sense. up, yeah, I wanted I want to give a quick shout out to both of you. Um, uh, Marcus, like I assumed you, you would have been very good at this uh, based on your improv ability, but like I, I'm really like, I was kind of surprised when I found out that like you wanted to do it, but like I'm impressed with like the fact that like you stuck with it for this amount of time. And like, even though it wasn't really like your primary goal like career-wise like you did like an incredible incredible job and like your ability to do like solo episodes is is pretty amazing for someone who like didn't do this for years beforehand because like it's a very difficult thing for like long-time professional broadcasters to talk for 20 minutes straight about anything and and you can do it and I listen and it's it's really really good each time so I appreciate that and Josh I was like stunned from day one and like very like upset that you were like immediately as good as me as podcasting after I've been doing it for four years of school and you just sort of walked into it, but incredibly good right away. And like, I know like listening recently, like I'm like, especially because you guys only do two a week, I'm stunned at like how much better you've gotten. (laughs) And the fact that like, I mean, you're someone who like works a job like in finance for like 70 hours a week and like can come out and like legitimately like for both of you, like sound like 
like the utmost like professionals, like and on par with like anyone else in the podcast network. So as someone who works very, very hard at this, uh, I'm both uh, jealous and like appreciative of like how naturally you guys took to it and how good you are. And also like, uh, just as like one of your best friends, like I very much enjoy uh, listening to both of you. It was really nice, like during like COVID, especially like when we couldn't hang out in person, like I felt like I was like chilling with you guys, just walking around the house and listening to it. So really enjoyed that. Really appreciate both of you for doing this. Um, it was so cool. It was like a great bit of nepotism on my part to get both of you involved. And I'm sad you guys are leaving, but hopefully you'll uh, you'll be willing to come on some Locked On Knicks every once in a while. Yeah, Gavin, I was just going to say like the the thing you just said about like listening to us during COVID. I mean, that's how I like got into like enjoying the Nets and Locked On Nets was that like I was interning in DC summer 2017, missed you guys. You guys were here in the city. And so I just go on a walk throw on locked on nets and uh, hear you guys talk about Drazen Petrovic or uh, do your all time nets draft, whatever it was. So Gavin, thank you for getting us in on this, for parasiting us in. Um, I think it was a success, Josh, these, uh, these last couple of years. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has been. It's been uh, a, a big, a big chapter in my life. I feel like I need to do like a podcasters tribune article. Um, but thanks. Thank you to both of you. You guys have been, incredible co-host i know i'm not always the most easy to to deal with with um you know work and travel and just sometimes just being very tired and and wanting to go to sleep early but you guys have both stuck with me throughout everything and been um you know still incredible friends along the way and we've had a lot of fun recording all these shows um through some good next teams uh, with marcus and and some really bad ones <laughs> with with gavin uh i think we still had fun along the way so uh, I just want to thank you guys for for being awesome friends and also awesome co-hosts. Yeah, um, is that is that all? Should we wrap yeah, up? That's a good. I don't think we can top that. We yeah, I don't think we can yeah. top that. Uh, so next right. time, so should, should we announce that it's being renamed uh, Locked On Eves? <laughs> we want to save that. Uh, okay, yeah. Mark. One last edit for Marcus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're done. Maybe I'll just leave it in. <laughs> yeah, but. But next time you hear voices on this feed, it will be Doug and Adam, uh, our, our, our um, you know, wonderful, wonderful folks taking over. We wish them luck. And until next time, they will be talking to you. But uh, we're signing off from Josh, Marcus, and Gavin. Bye.